0: You know, today we're uh, completing the sermon series titled Firm Foundation, and uh, it's through this series over the last few weeks that we've been studying some doctrinal truths that I think support our love for Jesus, uh, grow our faith in Jesus, help us understand Jesus that much more. And if you've missed any of these messages over the last uh, five, six, six weeks, let me just encourage you to go online and. Listen to the messages, because uh, there's lots of good stuff in there, especially the ones that you might have missed. As I was thinking about this morning, as we're wrapping up this uh, sermon series, I felt like there was one thread that kind of tied all of the sermons together. I know that wasn't the intention of these sermons, but this thread just kind of jumped out at me as I was thinking about them. And that, that idea is that God has actively communicated Himself and His identity to humanity since since the very beginning. That God is communicating himself to us. You know, if a person dies without knowing Jesus, it won't be his fault. Because in every way, God is constantly revealing himself to humanity. And so through these sermons, I've been reminded how that God is intentional about revealing himself. From the first moment of creation, he began to lovingly, communicate his word, his identity, his purpose, his values, his character in ways that we could understand. He gets it right to, the, to where we can understand him. And so uh, I wanted to just start off by taking you through very quickly all of the sermons and kind of showing that thread, how God has communicated it himself to us. From the first two sermons, God speaks and God makes I think we see how God displays His glory in creation and then gives definition to that glory in His Word. In the the sermon God speaks, God reveals Himself specifically through His Word. And in God makes, God reveals Himself generally through His creation. Romans 1.20, God says, You can look at what I've made and know that I exist. And so we can know God by His creation, and then He defines Himself very specifically in His Word. And then the next week, we unraveled the sometimes confusing concept of the Trinity. You know, uh, the doctrine of the Trinity, it's not a church-created, man-concocted idea just intended to confuse us. No, it's the identity of God. That's who He is. And so when He tells us who He is, He's communicating Himself to us. So through, uh, through that doctrine, that idea, God exists... Uh, God reveals Himself through who He is. And then we discussed humanity rebels and God's promises. And in those two sermons, we saw God revealing Himself through His interactions with sinful men. In humanity rebels, God reveals Himself through His grace. It's through His grace. We're humbled by God revealing His grace to us in those moments when we don't deserve His grace. That's right where he comes. And then, God's promises. God reveals himself through his steadfast purposes. We can grow in faith and we can grow in the assurance of God as we understand his purpose and the dependability of the covenants and the promises he's made to mankind. When God says something, he means it and he keeps it. And then last week, Pastor Steve explored one of the toughest lessons of all, the value of suffering. In the message, does God even care? God reveals himself through his compassion. You know, it's in times of suffering that we can best recognize God. I mean, when you've got no other hand to hold on to, boy, his hand's such a blessing, isn't it? God has made every effort to reveal himself to us God has made every effort to reveal himself to you do you realize that if God had not made the attempt to come to you and tell you about himself there's no way you could know him there's no way you could love him there's no way you could serve him and your eternal destiny would be one of misery aren't you glad aren't you just praising God that he's made that effort to reveal himself to you And so just so we're clear, I wanted to point that thread out through this sermon series because as we're wrapping this sermon series up, I want to remind you that God has communicated who He is through history past, but more importantly, God is continuing to communicate who He is to this world through us, through you, through His church. We are the tool that God is using to communicate Himself this world in these days in which we live and that's today's message we're talking about the mission god sends god reveals himself through his church god continues to communicate who he is by the holy spirit living through this body of believers he sends us his church out into the world to carry his message of grace and love so that as people come to know us they'll get to know Him because they'll see Him in us. God uses us in such a way that when we share who He is and what He has done in our life, He gives those who don't know Him a hunger to know Him. That's His plan. That's your purpose today for just being alive on this earth. Jesus communicated this plan to His disciples in so many ways. And, you know, we see this plan laid out most clearly, I think, in the words of Matthew 28, those last four verses in Matthew. And you're probably familiar with these verses, especially if you've attended New Life in the last couple months. Let's, let's read Matthew 28, beginning at verse 16. Matthew writes, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And I know we've all heard those verses before, those words before. You've probably read these verses in Matthew 28 many times. In fact, back in August of this year, just a couple months ago, we had a four-week sermon series called Witnesses. And I highly encourage you to go back through that series and listen to those messages. Because there's lots of good ideas about how to be a witness for Jesus. You're going to get the nuts and bolts of where to go, what to say when you get there, who to go to. We're not going to go through those kinds of ideas today. Today, however, I just want us to think about God sending us His church. And I want to remind you of something that I think can inspire and motivate us to be on mission for Him. Because when Jesus said to His disciples, Go, into the world he's talking to all believers he talked directly to them but he's speaking to us here today and just as he sent them out he's sending us out he's sending us out with those same words of the gospel the message that god came to us and you don't need to be a theological genius to be able to tell about jesus to your co-workers to your family to your neighbors to that old grizzly uncle out there that just needs to know Jesus. All you have to say is, this is my life before Jesus. This was my life after Jesus. And this is how Jesus can change your life. It's just that simple. It's just as simple as talking about your kids, talking about your husbands, wives, talking about them in a good way. Talking about your... Wife, your kids, your dog, your work, your job, your new car, the Cleveland Browns. Some of us are talking about the Cleveland Browns these days. Go Brownies. (laughs) It's just as easy to talk about Jesus as it is to talk about any of those things. And so one action step I want to send you with today is, as God has been faithful to you in your life, share that with others. He wants you, not just new life, not Pastor Steve, not someone else. He wants you and he wants me to be his witnesses, to testify of his love, his grace, and his mercy. And you know, when we hear the command to go, I think we get the do part. I think we kind of understand what we're supposed to do. Go and witness. So if we know what he's saying to do, I guess the question is, why is it that sometimes we don't really do what we know to do? Why is it that when God says go, we tend to stay put where we are? Why is it so much easier to just keep my mouth shut and not really say anything about Jesus to others and just hope that they see my good deeds and know that I'm a Christian? Well, that's a complex question, and there's probably lots of answers to that. And I'm not talking about the fact that You know, we need to go be preaching to them every minute of every day. That's obviously not what we're saying. and That's not Jesus' intent. But I believe that if we're intentional, we'll see and we'll seize those opportunities to tell people about the good things Christ has done in us. So, as I was thinking about this, I don't think we purpose in our hearts to disobey God's commands. I mean, I don't think we say, I am not going to witness for Jesus to anybody. That's God's problem. Let Him save them. I can't save them anyway, so I'm not going to say anything about Him. I don't believe that's who we are. I don't believe that we have an intentional, vindictive spirit that drives us to silence. Do you? Do you think that's who we are? No. I tend to think the primary reason we don't always respond to the sending call of Jesus to be witnesses for him, is because we just kind of lose sight of him. We just kind of lose sight of his vision. The vision of his glory. We lose sight of the feel of his love. Sometimes we just can't hear the beat of his heart. I mean, do you remember, do you remember the first time you gave your life to Christ? When you, when you really believed the gospel, that first Moment that you just believe the gospel. Some, some of you, that was last Sunday. Some of us, that was 20, 30, 40 years ago. But I suspect all of us, at one point when we first gave our life to Christ, there was just a, a passion in our hearts. We wanted to go tell somebody, right? We, we couldn't wait to read the Bible. We, we wanted to go to church. We wanted to be involved in, in ministry. We wanted to volunteer and just get involved. There was just a hunger bubbling over in us and then just kind of over time the day-to-day life with christ it just kind of started to settle in and that glowing intensity just kind of evened out into a, a comfortable range and other things began to distract us i'm not trying to chastise you this morning for this because i have to tell you i can identify with that because i find myself there often sometimes i'm too comfortable for my own good it's easy to coast you know we love jesus i believe we love jesus but sometimes we just take him for granted and we kind of forget the feelings of that first love and rather than jesus being the first thought of our day he becomes more of an an afterthought i can't see him i can't taste him i can't smell him i can't hear him i can't feel him And so it becomes easy to just kind of lose sight of Him. And I think we might even find ourselves sometimes just not that interested. Well, that's a natural tendency of life. It's easy for us to coast. It's easy for us to get off the path and into the weeds a little bit every now and then. It's not an intentional, vindictive thing, but we lose our desire because we just kind of lose our vision and we don't witness for Jesus sometimes just because we don't really have much much to say. And so today my desire is to encourage and motivate you by reminding you of just how glorious Jesus is in your life. And I want to do that by taking us back to that day when Jesus was standing with his disciples and he said to these men, "Go into all the world and be my witnesses." What did they do? What did these guys do, this little band of followers? They were scared to death the day Jesus was crucified, right? I mean, you remember? Jesus gets arrested. Did these these guys just like charge the jaws of death to defend Jesus with their very lives? What did they do? They ran like a bunch of scared little girls, didn't they? I mean, if you were planning to start some movement, these guys are probably not the guys you'd pick. But yet, when it came time for Jesus to send them out on the most important mission that could ever be conceived with the most important message that could ever be delivered, what did they do? You know what they did? They just turned the world upside down for Jesus. That's all they did. They went. Jesus said, Go, and that's just what they did. Every one of these guys were so committed to the message of his gospel, so committed to Jesus, so willing to fulfill his plan that almost to a man they died horrible deaths as martyrs for God's kingdom with the message of the gospel on their lips. And so I asked myself, What was the motivation that? kept these men going decades long after Jesus had gone? How were they able to to keep up the, the ministry effort? I mean, they traveled their world, their lives in peril, the comforts of home non-existent, but yet they never gave up. They kept preaching the message of the gospel. What kept them going? I mean, let's think about it. They could have. Jesus could have told them, go into the world, and make disciples. And they could have gone on that mission for a while, right? And preached the gospel for a while, and then went out and maybe bought themselves a nice little chalet, a nice little bungalow by the Sea of Galilee, and just kick back and relax. I mean, they were born again. They were on their way to heaven. Everything's cool. Why sweat it? But That's not what they did. They pursued the gospel message throughout all the world. To the very last breath. Well, I'd like you to consider something that I think will help us answer this question in their lives and maybe give us some motivation in our life today. Because, you know, when we talk about the verses in Matthew chapter 28, we tend to discuss this passage as though it stands alone. You know, Jesus commands us to go. So we always talk about going. We talk about how to go. We talk about where to go. We talk about what to do when we get there but seldom do we really consider maybe the why question. Why should we go? And I think maybe because we assume that. I mean, it's obvious, right? Jesus commands us to go, so that's that's why we should go, because he commands it. But I don't know about you, but I find for myself sometimes the commands of Jesus don't always inspire me to obey. Just because he tells me to do something doesn't mean I'm going to do it. And sometimes his commands just aren't enough. And so, thinking about that, I want to suggest to you that the gospel writers all give us that motivation. All four gospel accounts conclude with similar words of Jesus sending the church out. They all end their their stories with a similar message. Now, Luke, Luke doesn't end his gospel with this message. He takes this message up in the first chapter of Acts, which is the companion to his gospel. So let me just read to you the the account in Acts 1. Luke writes, uh, starting in verse 3, he says, "...he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during forty days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel?" He said to them, well, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by His own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when He had said these things, as they were looking on, He was lifted up and a cloud took Him out of their sight. Wow, I bet that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Here's what I find interesting. The sending command of Jesus is tied directly into the resurrection story of Jesus. And let me show you what I mean. In Matthew 28, let's go back to Matthew. You know, the verses we read are the last four verses of the chapter of Matthew 28. Matthew 28 is 20 verses long, and the last four verses are about Jesus. The last five verses are about Jesus sending the disciples out. What do you think those first 15 verses are about? Let's read the first 10 and we'll we'll see. Verse 1 says, Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. And his appearance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, "Do not be afraid, for I say, for I for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here for he has risen, as he said. Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee; there you will see him. See, I've told you." So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said greetings, and they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid, go and tell my brothers, go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Well, you know, I think typically we consider this Matthew 28 chapter as two stories. We talk about the resurrection and we talk about the Great Commission. We talk about the day Jesus rose from the dead and the day Jesus ascended back to the Father. We think of it often as two stories, two different days, two messages. But I want to submit to you this morning that I believe it's really one message. We see it in all of the Gospels. If it's one message, then we, to understand His command to go better, I think we should soak in the reality of his resurrection. We need to focus our attention daily on the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. I mean, the gospel writers connect these stories. They give us a few details about what happened after Jesus rose from the dead. I mean, there's a little bit about what happened during the first week. But to a man, they tell us Jesus rose from the dead and he sent his church out. Almost as if it's one thought. In the same same story, almost in the same paragraph. They mention these few things, but they connect these two events. And so I think the answer to the question, how could the disciples do what they did? What transformed them into men of courage and power with who with enduring determination, perseverance, no fear, no hesitation, they spread the gospel. You know what the answer is? Jesus is alive. Amen? Jesus is alive. They witnessed with their eyes. They touched him with their hands. They heard him with their ears. They saw him arrested by the government. They knew he had been brutally tortured by his executioners. They knew he had died. They even knew where his grave was. They could point out his grave. They saw it. Before it all happened, Jesus had told them. He said, you know, guys, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, and I'm going to be crucified, and I'm going to raise from the dead on the third day. And to a man, not one of them believed it. Because on the day of his resurrection, not one of them was there to see it. I mean, if you really believed it, that would be the place to be that morning, sitting there waiting for him to come out of that tomb. But then something amazing takes place. Something so miraculous that it changed everything in their life. Jesus, dead, buried, gone. He gets up. He leaves those grave clothes in that tomb. And he appears to his guys who were so soaked in fear that they were locked in their little room. Jesus is alive. He's not dead. He's alive. I mean, put yourself in their place. Think of all the emotions that would just flow through you. Talk about a mind shift. I mean, Jesus standing there alive in front of you. That's just something you don't forget. You just don't forget that. I believe the resurrection of Jesus is the most important and significant event in all human history. Tim Keller says that if Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all that he said. If he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about any of what he said? The issue on which everything hangs is not whether or not you like his teaching, but whether or not he rose from the dead. The theologian, uh, uh, Jaroslav, said, if Jesus rose from the dead, then nothing else matters. And if Jesus didn't rise from the dead... Nothing else matters. When Jesus stood before his disciples and they saw him alive, everything changed. Everything changed. Their doubts changed to belief. Their fear dissolved into courage. The question of, what's God's will for my life? Well, that was pretty much settled at that very moment. They understood God's plan, and they readily accepted their part in it. And from the day of Pentecost, they became loud witnesses of this Jesus who was alive. They began to go witness for him, and they never looked back. And what's remarkable about these eyewitnesses is, you know, they didn't expect a resurrection, so they didn't didn't fabricate one. One of the greatest evidences of the resurrection is that people just don't make up resurrections and then go die as martyrs for the lies that they've invented. The resurrection of Jesus gives his message of validity and power that no other message on this world, in this world, could match. Jesus proved who he was. Jesus is God. Amen? He proved it. That day he rose from the grave. There's no question. There's no debate. There's no issue. Jesus is alive. There's no other religion, no other philosophy, no other ideology can prove that their God or prophet rose from the dead. If you have doubts about the resurrection or questions about the resurrection, let me encourage you to get yourself a copy of any of Lee Strobel's books, The Case for, the Case for Christ, The Case for Faith, The Case for Christianity. He lists a variety of proofs of this resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus had such a profound effect on his followers that when he told them to go into all the world and make disciples, they just did it. He said, go. And they said, well, of course we'll go. Of course we'll go. We will tell others, we will tell the world that God came as a man and he died on the cross and he rose from the dead. Yeah, that's a story we're going to go tell because you know what? It's not a story. It's the truth. Yeah, we'll tell that. Not only was Jesus being alive such a, such a big, big deal, but I think some of the ramifications of him being alive and how he interacted with the disciples made his command to them even more valid, that command to go. And I think this was also part of the motivation that gave them the the courage to go. And I want to consider very quickly just three characteristics of Jesus who is alive that gives his command to go even more validity. And maybe it will help us this morning find that renewed motivation. First of all, the power of Jesus who is alive. In Matthew 28, 18, Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. You know, I wish there were words that I could use to describe to you such that you would know for sure that Jesus has all authority and power on this earth. All of the governments on this earth, all of their armies, all put together together don't have the authority that Jesus has. He has more authority than all of that. All authority has been given to Jesus. All of it. All of it. On this earth, Jesus has the right to tell every man, every woman, and every child on this planet what they should do, what they should think, how they should feel. The resurrection of Jesus is God's declaration that he has claim on every person, every tribe, every nation, and every tongue in this world. The resurrection of Jesus has, displays His power and His authority on earth because our greatest enemy, death, can't contain Him. He's already defeated that. He has the authority on earth. There's no question. And then Jesus has not only just the authority on earth, but all authority in heaven. And I think Matthew is trying to point that out to us when he gives us a glimpse here. He says, Behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his raiment was white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. Do you know that the angels themselves serve Jesus? And angels are pretty, pretty powerful beings. In the Old Testament, one angel killed 185,000 men in one night. They got some power now. And Jesus is the commander-in-chief of a countless army of angels. And angels who are mightier than us. Angels who are indestructible. And you know what? I want to encourage you that there's coming a day when... This living Jesus who rose out of that tomb is going to get on his white stallion and a vast angelic army is going to come with him back to this earth and he's going to take possession of this earth back from Satan and his hordes. Amen? There's no laser beams. There's no nuclear missiles. There is nothing that's going to stop him. He's coming back. Jesus is the commander-in-chief of this angelic army. And the day Jesus stood there on on the hill just before he sent it back to the Father, he told his followers, "All authority has been given to me, so you go into the world, you go into the enemy's stronghold and you proclaim the gospel with power and authority." There's no doubt. We got a new sheriff in town. A man who believes in Jesus has got nothing to fear. The resurrection of Jesus points to the power and authority of Jesus. It also displays the patience of Jesus, Jesus who is alive. We see it when the angel tells the women not to fear. I love this scene. The angel tells the women, don't be afraid. He's risen. Go tell his disciples he's risen and to meet him in Galilee. But what do they do? It says, with fear and trembling... And great joy, they run to tell the disciples. They do what the angel said, but they were doing it in fear. And then a wonderful thing happens. In verse 9, Jesus intercepts them. And I wonder, why, why did Jesus stop them? I mean, the angel gave them the word. He said, go and tell the disciples. And so they were just obeying. He said, don't be afraid. They were going in fear. Well, Jesus intercepts them and says greetings. A kind of, he literally says, rejoice. And then he just repeats the same thing the angel said. So why did he stop them? Why did he he intercept them? And I I think the reason he did say, don't be afraid, go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me, is because of his patience and his loving kindness. When we obey the commands of Jesus, his patience and kindness will intersect us every time. These ladies were in turmoil, right? Something strange had just happened, and in the midst of their turmoil and fear, Jesus meets them, and he says, you know, the angel said, don't be afraid, but they departed from the tomb quickly in fear, right? And when Jesus meets them, he says, don't be afraid. You know why I think the women were afraid? I think the reality of what was happening had kind of struck them. Certainly they saw the strange thing, but I think they were afraid also because if Jesus was truly living from the dead, he rose from the dead, and if he was truly ready to take possession of this earth as the reigning king and Messiah, what might he do to those turncoat disciples that had departed and denied him in his very hour of need? They might have thought he's on his way to town to take care of those losers. You know, they're running to town. They're thinking, you know, when we get to town there might not be a town. Jesus might just do it. I was going to say something else. Stop it. (laughs) But the risen Jesus is not only powerful, but he's kind beyond human measure. His patience endures. And with one word, he stilled their fears. The angel said, go tell his disciples. What does Jesus say? Go tell my brothers. You know, this is the first time Jesus called his followers brothers. Before he had called them disciples, he called them students, he called them friends, but he never called them brothers before. But here he says, go tell my brothers. And he says that at a time when they are most disloyal, most doubtful, most unbelieving, most cowardly, Man, that's grace upon grace upon grace. Have you experienced that grace in your life? a time when Jesus ought to be calling you something else, and he calls you brother or sister. And you know, when he gets to town, and he goes into that room where they are, there's no condemnation. He doesn't give them one word of con- condemnation for anything that they've done or judgment. He restores them with his grace and his love. His patience just overflows. So this resurrection scene, we see the power and authority of Jesus who is alive, we see the patience of Jesus who is alive, and we clearly see the purpose of Jesus who is alive. I think in order to admire and worship Jesus so that we would be willing to tell others of what Jesus has done in us, we should understand that His patience and His power have a purpose and a goal. I mean, you can't really admire someone who doesn't know where they're going. I think one of the reasons we have so few people in this world today that are admirable is because people don't stick with things very long. I mean, how many lives can you think of and point to to say, there's one person who's unswavering in their goals? Well, in verse 19, we see Jesus. He gives his purpose. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has, be, has been given to me, So go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Jesus' purpose is to empower His church to make His authority and His power known in every nation and every culture on the earth. He said, Lo, I'm with you always. He sends us out on mission, but He says, Lo, I'm with you always. You know why He says that? Because this mission He sends us on is His business. When you go for Him... And when you witness to others for Him, let's say you're talking to someone and they come to the, the knowledge of Jesus Christ and they receive and believe His gospel. He's the one that did that. It's His business. It's His mission. And He gives us the joy and the privilege of being a part of what He's doing. And so Jesus planned for His gospel to transform people from every nation, every tribe, every tongue in this world and he's executing this final purpose and this final plan to reveal himself to mankind through us his church when jesus walked out of that tomb some 1980 years ago he's not going in circles he's not fumbling through some religious stuff to keep us busy no he wrote the book And he has a plan, and he has a purpose, and he's unswavering from his purpose. And praise God, because it's through his purpose that you know him today. Jesus sent his followers, his church, his family, out into the world that day, and those guys carried out that mission faithfully. They spent their lives telling others about him, even to the point of death, because they saw Jesus alive, and they never forgot what they saw. And so, let's bring it home. Claude, that's just great. That's a great story. The disciples had the advantage of seeing Jesus alive, and that would certainly uh, inspire someone to go the distance. But what about me? What about me today? Something that happened 1,900 years ago doesn't always inspire me the same way it did then. Well, I know that because I I said earlier, I tend to think the primary reason we don't respond to the call of Christ all the time and be a witness for Jesus is because sometimes we lose sight of Jesus. Let me ask you, has the risen Jesus changed your life this morning? Have you ever felt the freedom from sin and the power of His love and His grace? Is that something we should easily forget? I mean, if Jesus has risen from the grave, nothing else matters. Are we so easily distracted by things that don't really matter? When Jesus died, the disciples were afraid of their leaders, but when they encountered a risen Lord, nothing could stop them. And that same Holy Spirit that moved them to action is the same Holy Spirit that is in us today. You and I have the same glorious, powerful message of Jesus, who is alive, that those guys had back then. In fact, we have the only message in this world that really matters. No other message you hear compares to that message. You may have never physically laid your eyes on Jesus, seen Him standing there before you, but you've seen Him. You've beheld the same glory and power in your life as those men did that day. And Jesus says to us this morning, don't be afraid. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, so go tell others what I've done do you. you really believe Jesus is alive? Do you? Have you been changed by Jesus? Have you been amazed by the power of Jesus in your life? Have you been given that courage and that passion to not be afraid because of the patience of Jesus in your life? Have you been inspired by the purpose of Jesus in your life? Some of us said yes, but I believe all of us could say yes. I think all of us who followers of Jesus today could say yes to those questions because like the disciples 1,900 years ago, we have all encountered the risen Jesus in our lives. So let me ask you this, where is Jesus sending you? He could be sending you to, to your neighbor. He could be sending you to that relative who doesn't know him. He could be sending you to that coworker that needs to hear about him. He could be sending you to that grizzly uncle that's just never given his life to Christ. He could be sending you to Costa Rica. He could be sending you to Uganda. He could be sending you somewhere else. He could even be sending you to Whitehall. At New Life Church, we're taking the gospel to Whitehall. You know why? Because Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. And Whitehall is a community that desperately needs to know that. Whitehall is a broken community that needs to experience the power of Jesus. They need to be comforted by the patience of Jesus. They need to be inspired by the purpose of Jesus. And he has told us to go, and we're going. You know, the city of Whitehall doesn't easily accept new churches, and that's kind of slowed our progress a bit. we're working on plans to change the city's attitude toward us. And in the meantime, we're in the process of talking to four different churches to negotiate some temporary space so that will allow us to at least begin meeting in Whitehall. And we're working toward a target date of sometime in January of 2015 to be gathering there in Whitehall. And there's already one, one option that's already on the table that would help us do just that. We're still looking but if nothing else, we have one option that we could use temporarily. And so, if you're interested in being a part of what's going on in Whitehall, going with us, we're going to be we're discussing plans to meet together on Sundays in November. Just watch for that communication. But all of us in this room can pray and ask God about how He's going to use us in Whitehall. You might not be able to go with us to Whitehall, but you're going to have a vital part of the ministry in Whitehall. God is sending all of us somewhere. You've been sent just like those disciples were sent. And so all of you uh, today who know Jesus Christ, He's saying go. Because God has made every effort to reveal Himself to this world and His final plan is to send us, His church, out with His gospel. And I think the motivation, the power, and the strength to persevere, to go for Him is to once again see Him alive in your life. He is alive. Jesus is alive. Is he alive in you? Well, that's a story you can tell. So if he's alive, let me ask you, where is God sending you today? And are you willing to go wherever he sends? I'm going to pray. And as I pray, the worship team is going to come. And I've asked them to to sing some some celebration songs. We're going to be singing some celebration songs of what Jesus Christ has done and how he is sending us out. And while they come and while they're singing, the prayer partners are also going to come. And this morning, maybe you've never seen that Jesus who is alive. Maybe you've never connected and encountered Jesus Christ in your life. Well, come come to these prayer partners this morning and, and pray with them as he's drawing you to himself. Maybe you've cooled off a bit. Maybe you just kind of lost that vision of jesus well come and pray by yourself or pray with others to ask christ to inspire you maybe you just need prayer for anything else please come and pray with our partners while we pray and then we're all going to we all want to stand and just celebrate jesus christ father we come to you right now we just thank you jesus that you are alive You're alive in us. You're alive in this world. We are thrilled by the fact that you have all authority on heaven and on earth, and there is nothing that we have to fear. Jesus, we love you today. We give you all the praise and glory for who you are. God, I pray that you would inspire us today to never forget that you rose from the dead. It's in your name we pray. Amen.